still want to be. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Root Report, a podcast where we discuss the latest news from the paper, campus, and Kansas City. Uh, my name is Lawrence Brooks IV here. Glad to uh, speak with y'all again for another week. My name is Connor Stewart. Glad to be here. And I'm Dylan Dillard, man. Thanks for having me back. Of course. All right, we're back for episode three of the podcast, and it's going to be a great show. We have two big pieces of news to discuss today. The first, hitting more locally, a new marijuana dispensary has officially moved on Troost Avenue. Dylan or Connor, either one, what's your thoughts on that? Man, this is, um, yeah, uh, this is not necessarily uh, shocking um, because, you know, we know the pushes that uh, the government has been has been doing lately towards uh, marijuana, whether that be uh, medical or uh, recreational. Um, but, you know, just the location of it, you know, I, I think I think they I think they know what they're doing <laughs> with that one with that one. Uh, yeah, um, I my concern is actually the location of it, as you know, we're going to get into a little later on is the whole gentrification part of the thing, as well as the um, Lawrence in your article, you it said it r- took the place of a fish market owned by a black business owner. I believe. Yeah, Mad, Mad Jack's Fresh Fish, man. It's been a Kansas City staple all of my life. I mean, I can remember Mad Jack's had a location on 79th and Truce, and then they moved to, uh, to the location where the mar- marijuana dispensary was at, and it's been there on and off pretty much my entire life. I mean, traveling back and forth here, um, living in Virginia and coming here to visit or whatever while I was in the Navy, I would make sure that I stopped at Mad Jack's and got me some fish. Like Kansas City's fish, you know, just the 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 fried fish culture, the trap fish culture is 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 unlike any other place I've I've traveled to. So I, you know, it was just a place I love. Uh, Charlie, shout out to Charlie D's too. They they serve pretty good fish. Mm-hmm. And Yum Yum's on Twenty Third. I forgot about my man, Mr. Barnett. You know, they <laughs> they serve Mr. Uh, pretty good fish here, um, fish too. But yeah, um, Mad Jack's was a uh, it was my spot. You know. And uh, I came back, what, for the last time, I think, in 2018, and they closed before I got off active duty. And I was just like, dude, what happened? You know, and I had no idea. And then um, here we go, a year later, you know, two years later, I moved back, and um, it's from the earth. And I didn't even know it was a dispensary. I thought it was just like a like a vegan spot or something. And then I did, you know, I did the research when I had the right to peace, and I was just like, wow, like, seriously? And then I seen that they labeled it as a, a part of Brookside, and that just, you know, it that definitely just took it over the top for me because Truist Avenue has been the divide line of Kansas City all my life. I was pretty pretty much unaware of that until I became an adult. But, uh, you know, once you figure that out and you, you understand the um, um, how that divided the city financially and, and by racial demographics and they classified that avenue as part of Brookside now, yeah, I was I was super pissed. Oh man! So uh, what's because it's so the the fish uh, the, so the uh, fish place sits out of business. It didn't move to a different location. Uh, they still have one location, I think, in KCK. If I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, but um, it used to be on Truce. Like I said, for for decades they served our community, and obviously they got bought out by these um by these uh venture capitalists out of California. So it's it's no longer in the metro. You got to drive to probably State Avenue over in Kansas to to go get some Magic Fresh Fish. Now, and uh, what's called, I guess I'll speak on the gentr- yeah, excuse me, gentrification part of it real quick. Cause uh, now where I live uh, over on Truce, across the across the street, they literally just opened up a, a brand new coffee a brand new coffee shop. Uh, I got the I'm gonna have to look at my uh, email real quick on the the name on the uh, name of the spot. Uh, but you know they sent us an email and was like, yeah, like we're brand new across the street. Uh, we're brand new across the street. Uh, here's a 25% off coupon and stuff like that. 
And, you know, it's literally uh, right across the street in uh, some apartments or condos, however they want to classify them, uh, are on top for, like, the next two or three buildings over. And so it's crazy. And then, uh, you know, one of my friends, you know, when they were uh, driving up uh, to visit me, they was like, man, it's crazy, like, how much a couple blocks on the same street can change. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy, man. I mean, I've been watching the gentrification of Kansas City for, you know, 12, 13 years now. It started in downtown um, and in the West Bottoms back in, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008. And uh, once they opened up Power and Light District, then they started moving further west down the, um, down the Southwest Boulevard and Independence Avenue um, on the north side of town. So it's, it's a big problem in the city because it's dis disenfranchising a lot of people. I mean, my particular neighborhood that I grew up in in southern Kansas City off 75th Street, like it was, it was you know, typical – I don't want to say suburbia near America, but it was, you know, it was a it was a nice neighborhood. But they gentrified downtown and all the riffraff that that used to be down north that now occupies the the neighborhood where where I grew up at. And it's you know it's it's not it doesn't feel good for me being a born and raised Kansas Cityan to to see they do our community like that. But this is this has been a forty year plan by America. Like gentrification is in every major city you could possibly go to in America. In Norfolk, Virginia, well, that's a mid to, to, to small size city. I've seen it there. I've seen it in Brooklyn and New York. I've seen it in, in, in Little Haiti in Miami. I've seen it in certain neighborhoods in uh, Atlanta. I've seen it on the on the west side and the south side of Chicago based on my travel. So it's a it's it's equivalent to redlining. I mean redlining was is was uh, a real estate practice back pre segregation that discriminated against all minorities from moving anywhere where their property value would be of something. Um, and I think for this generation, that's the equivalent of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as someone that I grew up in Johnson County, so I didn't, I didn't ever come down. I wasn't a frequent visitor of uh, Kansas city that often, but so this is kind of a new topic for me and I'll, I'll now that I'm hearing, it, I definitely want to do some more research on it, but just hearing like how it's, you know, it took a, Remind me of the fish market's name. Mad Jax. Mad Jax. Yeah, like it seemed like you know he was in here since the '80s, and you know he seemed like to be a big part of the community. And I, uh, you know, I feel like that's just you know almost like erasing a little bit of the culture here in, in downtown Kansas City, from what I from from how you describe it, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean South Kansas City was pretty much. I mean, um, if if you want to talk about uh, desegregation back in the '60s and the '70s, uh, South Kansas City was was. Uh, white flight any anywhere past I want to say well once they allowed because pre um, desegregation all minorities in Kansas City live north um, of what 59th Street I think or maybe maybe um, Emanuel Cleaver now but once they desegregated the city and allowed people to move south a lot of the uh, middle-class black families moved south my family did the same um, I mean my family migrated here part of the Great Migration uh, in the 1930s uh, from the South, from Arkansas, from, um, from Southern Missouri, and from uh, uh, East Texas. And once we moved to that area, like I can remember um, moving to the block that I grew up on, and we had several white people in the neighborhood. Now, me being five or six years old, not understanding what was going on at the time, I just figured they just moved away, but it was it was a part of of the white flight, and that's when sub suburbia America came out. Like like all of those people who lived in South Kansas City, that was a predominantly white white area for all of those years. Once they desegregated the city, and this happened all across the United States, just not here. I can just give a testimony of of, of what I noticed in my own city or whatever. But they all moved 
out of the neighborhoods in Marlboro area and just south of 47th Street and moved to the suburbs. So um, to see 30 years later that now they are they are reoccupying the areas that they left because the federal government decided to desegregate America, I just find it sickening, man. You know, and like I said, it's a, it's it's a, it's our modern day equivalent. Of redlining. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with um with with marijuana. Uh, I've dibbed and dabbled with marijuana for for several years out of my life. I don't really, especially medical and re- uh, recreational for people who uh, have terminal cancer or have uh, chronic health issues or people dealing with mental health issues. Like it, I, I I agree, it's a good thing. But if we're going to use marijuana as a way to further disenfranchise the black community in our city and everywhere else, then I just can't go for it. Uh, just to, uh, I'll try to keep this part uh, brief, uh, just so I can tie it back to uh, Kansas City. But yeah, now back home in uh, in St. Louis and in my neighborhood, you know, I've been saying it for years. I'm calling it like I was calling. It, I was like, man, it looks like they finna gentrify this. It's like, because uh, you know, like just all the different businesses coming uh, coming in, you know, like and they're building a government facility on mm-hmm. my side of town. And I was like, oh, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then uh, and then the church around the building from uh, for where I live and. Uh, St. Louis, they're trying to turn that into a Whole Foods, and mm-hmm. then when I found that out, I was like, "Oh, you know, the Whole Foods is gonna be the checkmate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the checkmate." Yeah, shout out, shout out to St. Louis too, man. I got a lot of family in St. Louis, and I traveling to St. Louis, I seen gentrification there up close and personal. I went down there for a Valentine's Day, um, and the On Guard Hotel was like, you know, where the VA hospital is in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that used to be the the absolute worst of the worst, like like. And they built this brand new artsy, or renovated a building and built this brand new artsy hotel next to some old theater. Um, um, and it, it was a great experience. But I walked literally four blocks east of there, and I was back in the trap. Like, like seriously, like in the projects. And and the projects are not an invention of our community. Like these were put together to house low-income people, white, black, Irish, Italian in the 1930s and the 1940s to support the war effort in World War II and the Korean War and all of that. And and they gave the the Caucasian people opportunities to move outside of there. Our communities, they did not. And then after desegregation, desegregation they went into the economic dis- disenfranchisement of those areas and start tying um, uh, property taxes to public schools and everything else. So we pretty much were just quarantined to these areas forever. I mean... Truce. Truce was definitely an invention by people in government here in Kansas City. And and I don't know, man, like I I hate to to turn everything into like a like a a a racial issue. But if you look at America over the last hundred years, every policy you can possibly think of is because of racial animus towards minorities or women, you know. So it's a sad deal, man. Like like just like they they invest and businesses invest and and they give tax subsidies to all of these businesses in Johnson County and other places um they can do the same thing for our communities but you know they refuse to i mean the 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 median income just 1 mile west of Truce is $175,000 a year and 1 mile east of Truce is 30 like that that has nothing to do with people like that has everything to do with public policy and i and i hope we as americans really start recognizing this and 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 stop looking at certain communities like my community in general and the hispanic community and the latinx community and the asian community and whatever impoverished communities the indigenous community 
and and don't look at it as a people thing. Like there there are public policies that that have been enacted by leaders that have caused these situations. Like you can't you can't put fifty million individuals in here and say like, well, they all just suck. Like that's just not it's not even feasible. You know, at, at that point, like you you're you're deducing that to a you're deducing that to just a, a fallible argument in my in my opinion but yeah i digress man but we appreciate the medical marijuana uh, industry for coming to missouri because we needed it based on the way the police handle it and everything like that but uh yeah i've said enough about this topic i'm gonna let y'all two go ahead and 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 um and speak your mind further for me uh dylan speaking uh you know I was talking, actually, I was talking to a friend earlier today uh, about this, and then he said, you know, he was like, if they was really smart, he was like, one of, he said, if they were really smart, like one of these corners around here put a, uh, what we call them corner stores, a corner store, bodega, whatever you call them in uh, the region that you're from, it was like, yeah, you like, just put a corner store right there and then put the backwoods and the, uh, and the papers and the rolling papers and stuff in there. You know, like so that way, you know, like you just go to the dispensary. You know, like get your get your marijuana and just come down here. You know, like and then get the stuff you need to roll it up and uh, and smoke it uh, and stuff like that. And then so I was like, yeah, no, like it's gonna happen sooner, sooner or later, because that that second half of the equation. Plus, those corner stores got like all the chips for the munchies to help out with that too. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, we need to we need to bring Baldaga culture to Kansas City for sure, man. Baldagas are are dope. No matter where I've no matter where I've been in America and in, in the world, Baldagas is a, they always add a nice little little touch to the community. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I guess what do you guys think about what does this mean for Black Americans who have been incarcerated? Uh, at extremely high rates for marijuana charges. Man, uh, first things first, man, uh, free them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Free them. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you're over here uh, legalizing it, and, you know, and you got people sitting sitting in jail in prison, you know, being locked up for it. So, man, you just got to uh, you just gotta free them. Uh, but, you know, me knowing, uh, you know, the loopholes of, you know, of the of the law and stuff like that, because even though it is, uh, what's called, even it, when it is legal, you know, there's still stipulations from it uh for example uh even in states where recreational marijuana is legal it's only up to a certain amount you know, mm. like so uh was good so you know they can always say well uh, he had more than whatever x amount is or uh was because it or like if you get stopped and they smell it and then you'd be like oh well it's recreational is legal then you know they can use the loophole uh, saying, well, the smell was so strong, uh, you know, it caused for my belief that it was the intent to distribute and stuff like that. Mm. You know, like so, you know, there's loopholes uh, everywhere around it, but you know, for I would I would say free them, especially you know if especially if most of them are you know nonviolent crimes. Yeah, exactly. It's like I feel like like I've I've uh, I don't really have any problems with marijuana like i feel like if anything like alcohol is more of a killer or anything than marijuana is so i don't know i don't see a huge issue in like like we're starting to decriminal or we're starting to um have it more accepted and i feel like if there's people in prison for a charge like this they they should be like obviously if it's nonviolent, they should be freed man I mean, non-violent drug offenders being arrested in America is a is a Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan policy. We are now in 2021. 
Richard Nixon left politics in 1974 or 72, if I'm not mistaken, and Ronald Reagan left politics um, in 1988. They both died in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, and their policies were the were the gateway to the private prison industry. I mean, just here in the state of Missouri, our state incarcerates the seven most people out of the United States, and 47 percent of those in the entire state are for nonviolent drunk crimes. Um, most of these people are sitting in jail, and they haven't even been convicted of a crime yet. You know, that's just our, our cash bail system, another another loophole in the hustle that keep people locked up. Um, if they don't have the money to pay bail or their parents don't have the, the property or, or, or whatever to put up to get them out, then they just sit there until they have trial, man, you know? And it's I mean, if you lies, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's just a it, it's a waste of people's lives. But as capitalism states, like Walmart gets to print their products from private prisons, McDonald's. Um, uh, there are several Fortune 500 companies that get things that they sell to us every day from private prisons. So it's a part of a money game, you know. Here in Jackson County, it's only 18 percent. However. You know, you can really account that to the history of violent crime here, but you can tie violent crime and poverty. And, and if you want to call truce the divide line, they've kept people east of truce impoverished all of my life. You know, I left Kansas City in 2008 and I come back and the abject poverty here is even worse. Our, our school system is still still unaccredited. Like the only thing that saved me was that I had the opportunity to go to school west of truce. Like I went to Hale Cook, Hartman, Border Star and to Lincoln before they stopped the busing of schools in the mid-90s and start sending it to neighborhood schools. And then from that point, I got transferred to Southeast. And when I tell you the level of education that I received west of Truce versus to where I went east of Truce is massive. Um, um, and I, I still accredit the desegregation laws for allowing me to go to school west of Truce. Like, like I can I can really just say, say, just looking back at my own life, that's the only thing that saved me. But... Yeah, they need to they need to let all of these guys out of prison, man. Like it's 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 sickening that you can put somebody in jail for marijuana and have them sit there for ten to fifteen years. You know, even even something is is cocaine, and you got people out here having DUIs and and domestic violence cases based off off their alcohol consumption every day, and it's something that we sell and it's legalized and it's what's the word I'm looking for? Give me the word. Uh. Alcohol. It's uh it's sold and and and, and commercialized and and fetishized. Mm. to our to our populace so yeah uh it's, it's time you let those guys out of jail you are we've already wasted uh enough of their lives you know on, on free label i mean free labor based on the on the 13th amendment so yeah please let them out yeah and then the add-ons to that just the the cost of them being uh being in prison uh too because uh i'm i got a friend i ain't gonna say no names uh if you listen to this uh forgive me for putting your business out there even though i'm not uh saying your name but uh he has a relative uh, that is locked up and uh and they tried to call him and you know it's a collect call mm -hmm. and uh he and he had to decline the call because he didn't have the money to accept the collect call from uh what's called from the prison that's another scam in the prison industry the collect call like it's a it's a privately held industry that's traded on the stock market where it's legal for for somebody to to charge somebody a dollar a minute to talk to somebody in prison like like the telephone is a is a probably 120 year old technology maybe maybe 150 year old technology and and you are using that as as your business model like you have no overhead so that's a thousand percent profit every day every minute of the week so yeah yeah so that and then the amount of cost like the 25 cent bag of chips that you can get at the corner store at cvs uh grocery store you know a pack of 
you know, just snacks that to send the inmates. That's um, and that that's ridiculous. I saw on Twitter somebody uh spent like thirty dollars on just a little twenty five cent bag of chips to uh, what's called to send to to their father that was uh incarcerated. That's so, crazy. Yeah, man, it's uh most most uh definitely is. And then you know when you in there, you getting paid, and you take a job behind bars, and you pay eight cents an hour. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I got a buddy right now. Just to 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 add to that story, I got plenty of friends who have been to jail uh, for nonviolent drug crimes, and I got a buddy right now that's still on probation for getting caught with a you know with a couple of ounces of marijuana a few years ago or whatever the case may be. And his whole life is is <laughs> like in jeopardy. He make one mistake, he dropped dirty on a drug test, or you know you get in 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 any other type of trouble, then. He's going to prison. Like, it just, we need to stop America. Like, incarcerating people at this rate, we incarcerate more people than any other people in the world. And it's, and it's for absolutely nothing. And the only communities it really affects is black and brown communities. And, and we all know why that is. So Yeah, it's like, I feel like marijuana is like, it, it just relaxes you, if anything. Like, alcohol, like, you know, people start driving and everything kills, kills someone in a drunk driving accident. It's just, just crazy that marijuana is held at a more criminalized standard than alcohol. Yeah, it's a Schedule One drug, man. You can you, you can thank the Reagan administration uh, for reefer madness. You know, we still living in that era in 2021. We still living in the in the reefer madness area, but that's thanks to people like Donald Trump and Rush Limbaugh. Uh, good riddance. <laughs> um, and. The rest of these incredible individuals, Mitch McConnell and all of these people who who are in power, Lindsey Graham, we can we can go up and down the line. There are there are even some Democrats. Joe Biden definitely supported this uh, 30 years ago. I mean, if anybody know anything about the history of Joe Biden, he stood with segregationists like um, Strom Thurmond from South Carolina staunchly. And you know, if anybody, I mean, you guys, especially you, Connor, look up Strom Thurmond. Like, oh yeah, definitely do that. He he is. There's still a freeway in South Carolina on 95 that's still dedicated to this dude to this day. And Strom Thurmond was was George Wallace 2.0 just in in uh in South Carolina. He was a staunch segregationist and and, and believed that black people were inferior um, throughout all of his life. So, I mean, we still have these people in government. Hopefully. That it is our turn and our time to take over this this nation and 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 lead the way we want to lead. That that we go away from these old policies and these old traditions of America because it's destroying the lives of of, of generations of people. For sure, <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, moving on on the you know something a bit more national. So Donald Trump's failed impeachment. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah. I'm just I've, I've talked enough. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, man, I just. Is this guy ever going to be held accountable for anything, man? Um, he just keeps skirting away, and I just think um, reading the NPR article that Haley sent out, um, you know, that, that whole riot caused, you know, five people to die, as well as two police officers ended up taking their lives uh, shortly after. I didn't even know that, and that's even crazier that, I don't know, like Trump goes on and spins his rhetoric about, how the election was false and and or how the election was stolen rather and that's what is really led up to the whole um to the whole insurrection there and he's just not seemingly facing the consequences for that sort of thing so i don't know dylan how do you think about that oh man uh so uh so going uh, so going into it, uh, you know, of course they had it on on TV and all over social media. And then I was like, man, I'm not even I'm not even going to watch it. Like, cause I already I already know uh, what's going to happen, uh, because even though uh, the Democrats have uh, have majority 
of the Senate. I believe uh, it's majority because I believe it's 50-50, but uh, the vice president is a Democrat, which gives it the, you know, the uh, decided. Yeah, they, they got a slight majority. You correct. Okay, yeah. Um, but, you know, still, uh, you need you need two-thirds for it, and half of it is uh, the Republican Party that uh, that has backed Donald Trump. So I was like, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get the 67 mm-hmm. uh, votes that they need to get 17 people from the other side to vote along with you. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, I'm like, he's most likely, you know, going to, I don't want to say get away with it is the word, but, uh, you know, not. No, say like, it. He got away with it. Yeah, get yeah, away. 100%. <laughs> so... Uh, do y'all think that it's a big deal that this happened after he's out of office? I mean, when the fir- when the talks were first going out that, hey, let's maybe impeach Trump, I was thinking, well, he's about to be gone in like two weeks. Is it really that much? But then really thought on it. It was like, well, yeah, he could still do a lot of damage in those two weeks, and he should still face the consequences for his actions even after he's already done with his job, uh, technically. And after he'd be impeached, he wouldn't be allowed to rerun in four years. And that is kind of where I'm like, okay, you know, I would like to impeach because I would not like a man like this again getting into power. What do you think, Lawrence? I mean, America legally is about punitive justice. I mean, Donald Trump in December was allowed to accelerate the the, the federal death penalty program to an alarming rate that had not been seen in, I don't know, maybe 20 years. I mean, just in the month of December, Donald Trump was allowed to execute, I don't know, 10 or 15 people across the United States based on on crimes they committed. Um, And none of these people committed a crime against America. Like, like I do not hold any punches on this. Democracy was threatened that day in America. And it sickens me that the fascism that is the Republican Party is allowed to reign in such a in, in such a way like the conservative mind in media had a hissy fit the entire summer over people protesting about somebody getting killed by a police officer now the entire world got to see this on video and they choked george floyd out they walked in Brianna's, uh, Brianna taylor's home and shot her down based on a no-knock warrant. Like, these are individuals who live, work, and produce in America. Donald Trump, based on a lie about election fraud, which, don't get it twisted, people. Election fraud is cold word for they letting too many black people vote. No more, no less. That's why every state legislator, uh, legislature across the United States right now, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, are trying to find all kind of new ways to further voter suppression, whether that be through gerrymandering, whether that be through purging voter rolls or cutting down on mail-in voting. That's what it's about. This is an entire lie fabricated by a man and the people who support him to further white supremacy. Like, you've seen every myth that America has told about its history in that singular day, in, the, in, in that moment. You've seen Christian dominionism. You've seen Christian authoritarianism. You've seen fascism. You've seen the lost cause in the in the the myth of the Confederacy. You saw the 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 education that most of those people have been getting through the public school system, where they allowed the daughters of the Confederacy to write textbooks to twist the history of slavery and um uh Reconstruction in America. Like all of that was based off hate. No more, no less. This is what Donald Trump Trump's presidency has been about. 
um, bigotry, xenophobia, sexism. Like they want to take America back to the 1960s. I said this five years ago when he came down that escalator and said he was running for president. Like you, you could see it. Charlottesville was an example of that. But yet still they acquit this guy. So what does it say for us going forward? Like Donald Trump, don't get it twisted. He's running for president in 2024. Um, Josh Hawley was definitely in the running for that, but he lost his state back, and, and I'm glad of it. And don't worry, Mr. Hawley, we coming for you in this state before we leave here. You cannot be an elected official here and treat America, democracy, and our populace, especially the minority populace, in such a way. Like, I don't know how we're going to do it, but you got to go, Roy Blunt included. Like, Missouri was a Democratic state all the way into 1994, and it lost its last Democratic seat in 2018 when they put in Josh Hawley. And that's that was, you can credit Rush Limbaugh for that. Uh, again, good riddance. I'm not, death, you never coming back for that, but that was a, an egregious human being who did a lot of negative things for America and the world. So, like, my whole feelings about this impeachment thing like yeah he should have got impeached for sure i'm glad that, i mean the, the democrats they gave a pretty good presentation I, I watched a little bit of it and i watched the highlights and, and and other people's commentary of it and they they did a pretty good job the only thing i can give a knock on them was not bringing any witnesses however there's we saw it go down live yeah you yeah. saw it go down live like this video clips of this flowing throughout the internet and throughout the world man like like they really didn't need no witnesses man and just understand Looking at it from a from a, a global standpoint, if the Republican Party was a government of its own anywhere else in the world, the United States would have bombed them out 15 years ago. They would no longer exist. But they allowed them to exist here because they still want to uphold the the central tenets of white supremacy. So this is our time to fight. This has been our civil rights movement really since Obama got elected and everybody is still, you know, living in a fantasy land. So I hope we wake up from this point because democracy was threatened that day. Right. I feel like when all those claims of election fraud were going out and like all the lawsuits like Trump was suing people and, and like the lawsuits were going out at the end of it, like I believe I think everyone proved all those lawsuits ended up being that there was no election fraud. Like it was all proven false. And so basically, yeah, that all those uh, claims were basically being made proved false and that, you know, uh, other politicians are still going around claiming this was stolen that like we've gone through the legal processes and that the election was proven to be a sound election that everything went down as it should have all these politicians are still on there spouting off how it was stolen and i just you know just no one to quit i guess yeah uh so what i want to add uh to it was you know after the impeachment or whatever uh because you know people's like oh it was, it was like he's out of office and stuff like that but when they said you know this is so that way he can't run and hold the public office again i was like okay yeah we need we need that to happen but then you know when he got off you know uh what went through my mind was kind of like showing why why people necessarily don't have full trust in uh in the system uh we saw it go down we saw it go down live so you know, the entire world knows what knows what happens, not what happens, but what happened uh, mm -hmm. on that day. They was watching it while it happened. And, you know, and then, you know, you got different communities uh, like, you know, I don't trust the, the judicial system and uh, stuff like that. Or, you know, like the, you know, the people uh, that be out in the streets and like the gangs and not necessarily just the gangs, but, you know, people be like, oh, well, no, nah, I don't want to get the courts or the cops involved because, you know, stuff like this happens. You're like the judicial system, any anything can happen for that person to uh, to get off. It could be it could be a faulty witness, a piece of evidence, a juror. There's too many factors that can just go uh, that can just go wrong. So when people are like, nah, we're gonna handle it 
Like, we're going to handle it, like, out here in the streets when I see you, it's on site, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, that's – and they want to take justice into their own hands because they know that there is a possibility that uh, that said person can get off and walk away, you know, scot-free. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just shows the power that spreading misinformation around – you know, has this is what it led to an insurrection of our S- nation's capital. Say that again. Get off social media, people. It's unregulated. It is not your friend. They are the they are the central reason that all of those people travel from from all of these places across America. I mean, they got five people that got arrested here in Missouri, a part of the Proud, Proud Boys, two in Blue Springs, and I think one in um. Uh, independents and two other transplants who were from here but moved to Arizona like there's only one conduit to to all these people getting this amount of information and uh well this this missing disinformation and that is social media yeah no I mean it's just kind of like social media yeah it's great to stay connected with everybody but like it just really gives people that maybe shouldn't have a platform instant publication and people got to realize that their words matter uh especially politicians especially people like Donald Trump who are spouting off conspiracies about how the election was stolen and they need to realize that that had power that had power and led to an insurrection and yeah should they just really got to realize what they're saying and be careful i mean impeachment didn't work for the second time i mean should it should have worked the first time because anybody you know working with uh well not working with but putting pressure on a foreign government to try to 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 get dirt on your political po- uh, opponent to sully their campaign here in america that's illegal being being a part of the u.s military apparatus if i as an enlisted sailor would have talked to any foreign national and gave them information about any of the technical uh technology that we had on that boat i'd be in leavenworth right now doing 25 years like just take that into account the 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 usm uh the ucmj the uniform code of military justice would have put me in jail for the rest of my life they give us training on that annually and semi-annually port briefs before we pull into a port anywhere they give us briefs on what to watch for social media they tell us you have fishers you have scammers you have spies that are posing as regular individuals on these social media platforms so we monitor everything that you do and you what we don't monitor then we're trying to give you the tools so you don't get duped and you have the president of the united states and the entire conservative apparatus and republicans in our government that supported this dude behind that so like shout out to the seven senators who voted um against trump that would be pat toomey lisa murkowski Susan collins uh richard burr and uh who else Mitt Romney um you guys were a little late to the party but I appreciate y'all for standing up for for democracy and and trying to set your white supremacist ways to the side for a quick second um but America as I said in last week's podcast we got to do better man because this place is going to fold to to give you some insight on how easy democracy can be stolen please look up what happened in Myanmar the former um country of Burma just 3 weeks ago the military used the same tactics that the Trump administration and conservatives used about election fraud and just seized their government and now the elected leader of that government is in exile they used the exact playbook and it worked the only reason it did not work in America because these institutions have been built up for 250 years so please pay attention because democracy is not it's not guaranteed here. And, and it's only one thing after after 
democracy. Well, it's, it's several things. It's authoritarianism, it's fascism, or it's a dictatorship. And I'll, I don't think the American population will want to live under anybody who chose to rule in that way. All right, winding down, man. Uh, the First Amendment, man. How far, how far do you all think the First Amendment goes? Because uh, I'll start off. Uh, the First Amendment, because, uh, you know, when you're learning about it in school, you know, the first thing they tell you is, it's like, oh, like, if you yell fire in a building that's not on fire, uh, you know, that the First Amendment doesn't protect that. And basically what Trump did was he was yelling election fraud and stuff when it wasn't really election fraud. So I think the metaphor, I feel like, is, is one-to-one. He was like, you know, it doesn't protect people that go into, uh, what's called, that go into a building and yell fire when there is no fire and they cause a panic. And, you know, him saying election fraud, uh, the, they're, trying to, they're trying to change democracy when that didn't happen is, you know, that fire in a building that's uh, what's called yelling fire in a building that is not on fire and causing a panic. Yeah, that was that was exactly the point I was going to bring up, actually. It's just like, yeah, yes, you have free speech. You can criticize the president. You can say what you want. But you can't go into a movie theater and yell, hey, there's a fire because then that causes panic. That may get someone killed. Trump's yelling election fraud. Got five people or seven people killed with the uh, two police officers killing themselves afterwards. Yeah, I, I think, yes, you can say what you want. The First Amendment protects that. But when it comes to when it incites violence, I don't think you have that protection at all. My general thoughts on the First Amendment, it's a great thing because it doesn't exist in other places of the world. Like uh, conservatives and Trump have went hard at the media over these last five years. But understand, in other countries, if you were a journalist and you exposed some of the lies and some of the things like Trump told, you'd be in a box right now. So please uh, appreciate your First Amendment right However, First Amendment rights do not extend to, to abject lies. Like, I don't really get where somebody's speech is protected when they know a thousand percent that none of this is true. Like, like we are being told a fable or a fairy tale. And how is that protected speech? Like, I, like this idea with conservatives and, and this is, you know, this is censorship. Like, I, you can't censor a lie. Like American, our, our entire culture is built on, on on integrity. Like like that's a that's a super big component of our entire culture. Um, so so if that is a part of our culture, but yet people on the right want to talk about censorship based on the lies that they tell, like that's you know those 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 two things can't even exist in the same spectrum. So I don't really care about the argument about their freedom of speech because if you if you telling me a lie like you we don't even deal with people who lie to us in our own personal lives like who do you deal with that that you know is a liar uh no and i i don't like liars <laughs> how about you no nah, they get cut off yeah exactly yeah. you know so how can we let this man stand in front of the entire country and sully the minds of 75 million people who we got to live with in this country who are who are jacked up, you know, off the performance of half Hanson drug of racism and, and and white supremacy, like they going crazy around here, man. So I don't really understand how that can be viewed as First Amendment protected speech. Like we need to really have a conversation about what this First Amendment and what everything in this Constitution means, because when it comes to conservative ideology, this is their this is they always try to bludgeon us with this. It's unconstitutional. It's un, un, unconstitutional to who? Is it unconstitutional based on you and and you cannot uphold the culture and the and the policies that your forefathers uphold? So now it's unconstitutional. So 
because we can use this living document in order to make the lives of all of us better. Because guess what, man? We don't hate y'all. I don't I don't ha- I don't have a, a hateful bone in my body for white America. I do not. I would like to live in a true egalitarian society where meritocracy is real and we can work on being a better community. But in, in order to do so, we have to fight against these people with all that we have, because if you didn't believe it, then believe it now. They want America to go back to the Andy Griffith days. And if you if you understand that time in America it wasn't good for somebody that looked like me, you know? If I had dreads, they probably tried to hang me somewhere, you know? Like, it's, it ain't cool. Like, I'm, we want to love and live in a better world. And, and dealing with conservatives, we're not going to be able to do that. I don't even understand the whole idea about bipartisanship right now. Like, how can you be bipartisan with a fascist? Like, they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that, I'd, I'd say that pretty much sums it up is, like, yeah. All right, lastly, uh, so... You know, since he uh, since he got acquitted, uh, this leaves the chance and opportunity for him to run again in uh, 2024 or uh, or later if he doesn't uh, run again in the next four years. Uh, So what if what if Trump uh, runs again in four years or eight years uh, down the line? Uh, Me, he's going to have to find a new a new vice president because, you know, at least publicly uh, that relationship with uh, him and uh, Mike Pence is uh, is destroyed. So he's going to find a new. Uh, a new vice president. I heard a uh, word on the street that uh, Josh Hawley is trying to fight for that spot to be his vice president God. if he runs again. Yeah, he he vowed for the f- uh, for the title of Grand Wizard of Trumpism with with his whole uh, with his whole fist to the air that day. Everybody seen the photo, man. Like Josh Hawley is horrible for Missouri. He don't even live in this state. So us as citizens, we need to figure out what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia and get that Joker out of here, man. Yep. So if if he does run again, man, we just gonna have to uh, we just gonna have to show up to the polls again, man. Show up to the polls. Uh, voting works. We we've seen it. We've seen how uh, how Clayton County, you know, like one of the uh, in Georgia, you know, like you know all the you know all the rappers from Atlanta, you know, saying they 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 talk about it. they be like I'm from Clayco, you know, one of the uh, biggest districts in in uh, in Georgia that uh, what's called that house many many black. Uh, black people that got out and vote, y'all saw that, you know, y'all flipped the state. And uh, what's called Detroit, uh, Detroit, how, you know, that area flipped the state of Michigan, uh, you know, and uh, Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee and uh, what's called what, Wisconsin, uh, you know, y'all flipped the flipped the state. You're like, so there, there's powers in numbers, there's powers in voting, so we're just going to have to, for eight, four years down the line, eight years down the line, like just show up to the polls again and just, you know, do it, do it again. Yeah, no, I, oh God, I can't take another, I can't take another four years of him. Yeah, like you said, I think we just need to show up to the polls. We need to keep up that same energy that we've been building for the past couple of years. We need to keep that up. We need to keep, I mean, people need to be more involved in politics, I feel like. Like prior to this election, I mean, like in 2016, not a lot of people were going to the polls and that was a big thing. And that's partially what led to Donald Trump's rise. And we had record-breaking turnout uh, this this election. I think we got we got to keep that up. And the people out that will be 18 uh, by that by 2024, you know, do your research, form your own opinions, and show up show up to the polls. What do you think, Lawrence? If you want a better America and a better world, then vote blue. I'm not even I'm a progressive by you know by 
by nature and, and by academia. You know, what I've learned over the last five years of my life in school has pushed me towards progressive and away, for, uh, away from liberalism because liberalism is definitely um, uh, a reason we are in this moment now. I mean, liberalism is about incrementalism, and incrementalism means that we, you know, we're going to give you something a little at a time, and that has caused America to fold and be in such a disgusting place that we're in right now. So vote blue. Like, we have to. If, if, if we want our kids to grow up in a better world than what we grew up in, uh, me, oh, I'm, I'm saying kids, I'm the oldest guy in this room. I, uh, <laughs> for, for context, I'm 38. I'm a, <laughs> I'm an old college student. But um, if you want to live in a, in a better world in general, we're going to have to vote blue. Um, I don't know what candidates may be running in the next four years, if it will be Joe Biden, if it will be Kamala Harris. I don't know. But if you vote Republican, you're going to see. It's probably going to go further right, you know, and, and I, I don't know what's further right of, of fascism. Genocide is next. So vote blue. But, but if, if, if Trump runs in 2024, man, I, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about leaving America. Like I don't even – America's a third world country with a Gucci belt on. Like I, I stole that from whoever. Uh, shout out to whoever came up with that meme. But you know that's the truth, man. Like, like we, we, we constantly, we're the richest country in the world, and we have more chaos and more poverty than plenty of other places that I've seen throughout this planet, man. So again, America, we got to do better. Good, good words, Lawrence. Amen to that. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that brings us to the end of episode three of the Rue Report, man. Uh, great conversation y'all i want to thank y'all for listening making it to the end man uh definitely making it to the end man and just you know the the stuff that the stuff that we say here you know feel free to do your own research on it we got a lot of experiences in different walks of life uh in the room like for example lawrence uh said he's 38 he's been in the military he's been all around the world he's been all all around the world all over the country and you know and the stuff he's speaking from he's speaking from research and most importantly experience stuff that he's seen with his own two two eyes and heard with his uh, on two ears and you know and uh and we have connor in here uh who's in here learning stuff as well he's bringing a different perspective yeah shout uh, out to connor the table. Man. i appreciate connor you know for, for from a kid that came from johnson county and had no idea about these issues but to to sit and listen like like you know and and, and understand the perspectives of people who who you know grew up in totally different worlds than him even though we lived probably five miles from each other ten miles from each other is it you know it's appreciated like if, if we had uh, young, dedicated white Americans like this 50 years ago in the baby boomer generation, we wouldn't be living through this now. But now we got Connor and we got others that, 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 are, that are strong allies of, of egalitarianism and just a better world, human rights, whatever you want to call it. Like, we just don't want to live in this, in this chaos and car carnage uh, anymore. So shout out to Connor, man. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, man, I will – I feel like I should return the favor. I'm just really enjoying hearing your perspective and hearing your uh, every you know everything you've been saying, Lawrence. Like it's been really interesting. Just hearing all the stuff that you've talked about is you know it's really surprising. And yeah, shout out to Lawrence as well. Yeah, we appreciate y'all for listening, man. And please tune in every week. Um, the show airs on Friday, so we'll see y'all next week. All right, I'm Dylan Dilworth, and thank you all for having me again. I'm Connor Stewart. Thanks for listening. Ooh.